guys, welcome to the Journey of Ruth podcast, where we desire to see believers develop a deep and intimate love for Jesus and his word and inspire that same love within others through discipleship. I am your host, Courtney Lohman. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm glad you chose to join us for this week's episode. Currently, I'm taking a step back for a few months to focus on being the best God-honoring mom and wife I can. However, we have had so many wonderful guests that I felt like we could still learn from the wisdom they shared. With that in mind, please enjoy this week's episode from the archives. This is Lainey Pegolo, and um, I got to come up to Flagstaff, much cooler than Phoenix, to come and talk to her, and so I'm glad I'm here. (laughs) I'm glad you're here too. (laughs) It's raining outside. I did remember my sweater, so that's good. Um, Lainey works for Christian Challenge up at NAU, which is Northern Arizona University. How long have you worked here? This is my 24th year. That's amazing. Yeah, I'll begin my 25th year in January. Oh my gosh. The amazing thing that I recently heard someone say is that the staying power in ministry is not always there. So you have the staying power in this ministry. Well, that's something I didn't realize was a thing either. Like you get your job, you get involved in ministry and you stay. And it wasn't until probably a decade into ministry that I realized people used things as stepping stones to move on to bigger and better. And you know, in my mindset, you just plant your life until God tells you to move. And so right. it's not a career path choice. It's, you know, an investment in life. So you're like, God hasn't told me to move. So here exactly, I <laughs> exactly. I love it. So tell us about who you are and what you do here. Okay. So I am a campus missionary to the campus of Northern Arizona University, which means I get to do discipleship with women. Um, I also lead in our missions. Okay. So for decades, I've taken students overseas um, on foreign mission projects, as well as local um, national stuff, just, you know, wherever God calls us and where there's a niche. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen a shift in that. If you want to know more about that later, about why students don't go overseas. Interesting. Um, 9-11 had a lot to do with that, I think, uh-huh. in my estimation. Um, but that's, that's my local job with our university here. Um, I also, in the recent years, Christian Challenge is now a state entity. So in historically, Baptist Collegiate Ministries exists in a state, but, um, each individual area or campus is kind of on its own. Okay. And so Challenge AZ has adapted to where we are the state entity of the Arizona Southern Baptist Convention, um, where their Baptist collegiate ministries arm. And so we're not individual um, places. We are, um, it would, it would remind people like of, of Awana, if I'm saying that right. Okay. I know, <laughs> I know that's a bit, how there's chapters of Awana at different places. So you, yeah. you agree in covenant to um, certain things that that you know organization wants to see happen through their ministry, and so with Challenge AZ, um, that's how we are. We have a whole new um, way of looking at ministry. Every single Christian Challenge chapter is now tied to a local church, oh, not cool. just the entity. And so that's it's. We're in the birthing process. I mean, we've we've had had this going on for a couple of years, but we're seeing. Um, this happened more and more. Um, the reason being is we want Christian Challenge on every campus in Arizona, including our junior colleges, our tech colleges, just so that we can reach college students. Yeah. There's somewhere between 500 and 600,000 college students in the state of Arizona. Wow. And I think the estimate is like 2 or 3% know Jesus. I mean, it's something ridiculously low. Wow. Um, and so with Challenge AZ, I serve on our state team. So there's okay. five of us on our state team. Our, our boss, who is the 
guy in charge, so to speak, Brad Schneeflock. And then Mark Hill, who works with me here at NAU as a campus missionary, also serves on that state team. He's our financial um, okay. manager. So he deals with all the finances and the monies and that come in, not just for ministry, but all of us that are campus missionaries raise money for our own support. Okay. So for 25 years, I've raised money to have a job wow. uh, as well as missions and all of that. And so he manages all of that for us that, that are within Christian challenge proper. Now we have volunteers through the churches that are campus missionaries with challenge, but that's a whole other mm-hmm. set of stuff. And so um, I do our communications on our state team. Okay. And so I am the person that deals with all of our international partners. Um, I relate to the state. I help all of the communication of what we do as Christian Challenge AZ um, with all of our chapters. An example, we have a state missions, I'm sorry, excuse me, a state evangelism conference coming up. I was working on missions this morning. We're (laughs) we're supposed to be going to Africa in the spring, and so I was working on that. But um, we have a state evangelism conference where it's, you know, it's 20, 25 bucks, something really low. Mm -hmm. Students from all over the state can come um, it's also churches. If you hear this and you're in a church and you have college students and want to come, look us up and we would love to have you join us. But um, I communicate all of that mm-hmm. to our state, our students, you know, those kinds of things. And then I serve as our missions coordinator as well for the state. And that's, okay. like I said, we're going to Africa next year to pursue a partnership in Zambia. Um, And for college students to to get to go and serve for a couple weeks, but the mindset of going and maybe living for a semester or two and investing their lives um, in that country. And so that's the nutshell version of of what I do. Um, I joke with people about all college campus ministers do is hang out and drink coffee and, you know, all that all day. I did a meme actually last last fall. We had a student that had a meningitis scare. And so I had to take her to the hospital and like, she's just sitting around. So I'm like, do we need masks or what? And so I have a picture of myself with a mask on. And I said, you know, the the top meme was what, what do they think campus ministers do all day? And it's a bunch of people having fun drinking coffee. And then below it, you know, I'm masked. And I'm like, this is actually what we do all day. But I mean, that's the reality people. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of interaction, but there's a lot of behind the stuff, you know, behind the scenes stuff that we do and prepping. Um, a lot of my day is more administrative than it used to be because of these partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, but daily, I mean, I meet with 14 women a week. Wow. And so we're in the process of trying to wean them to about twice a month because it's a lot of time, you know, and you want to you devote... meet with them weekly right now. I do there here at NAU. We have, um, we don't call our students that are leading leadership team. We call them their campus missionary team. Okay. Um, because as, as campus missionaries with Christian challenge, all of us on our campuses are missionaries to that particular campus. Right. And so with our students that are in leadership, we, we want to help them understand that the campus is their affinity group. Mm-hmm. That's the group of people that with likeness that they're supposed to be reaching with the gospel for Jesus. And so we've, we've translated that into your campus missionary team, mm-hmm. reaching that, you know, your campus, whether it's here, or ASU or, or, you know, U of A or one of our smaller campuses, yeah. um, which consequently our, our community colleges are just as big as our universities. We just don't realize that, yeah. and, you know, there's thousands hundreds of thousands of college students all over the state. And so, um, I relate with our women in, you know, what's your job? What are you doing? A fundamental part of Christian challenge AZ is that we have challenge communities okay. and those are missional discipleship groups. And so our leaders form a day where, you know, it's their time and day where they meet, they pick a place on campus. That's their affinity. So we have some students that wanted to meet like in the health and learning facility or some that wanted to meet in the dome or, you know, a particular dorm, the honors dorm to reach out to that demographic on campus. And so challenge communities, they have a Bible study that they go through that we, um, you know, it's not everybody in the state does, but we offer that 
to where we can, you know, be all studying the same thing at the mm -hmm. same time. And so it's more facilitating um, Bible discussion than teaching. And so they get together, they, they um, you know, work through that book of, of um, I think we did Ephesians or something last year. Okay. And so they work through that, answer questions, you know, talk together. But another big part of that is that they're supposed to be thinking missionally to their community. Yeah. So they have a task every year of coming up with some sort of missional activity to reach out. Um, our guys did pancakes um, okay. in one of the guys' dorms. You know, what young man doesn't want free food? You know, about 1030. <laughs> college like, kid yeah, doesn't want free right? food? Right. It was like 1030 in the morning or something. It was late, you know, so they would do it. But they, you know, how do they reach out? We had some girls do reverse trick-or-treating where oh. after Halloween they bought a bunch of, and, and we have funds to help them with that. So they bought a bunch of uh, leftover candy from Halloween and, um, went door to door, knocking on door to door, giving out, you know, here, grab a handful of candy. We're Christian challenge. We love you. We yeah. have a Bible study down in the lobby at this day and this time, if you ever want to join us. And so the, like I said, the crux of it is that it's a missional community that's always open mm -hmm. for more to join. So they're smaller groups, yeah. you know, so that more students could always join. There's always room for one more to join cool. and then to think, you know, how do we share the gospel? And so that's one element um, that's a distinctive of Christian challenge. Yeah. The other is gospel appointments. Um, I'd like to say we came up with that. We certainly didn't. Um, <laughs> there's some lovely people west of us that came up with that. Um, and I'd say names, but I'd probably mix that up. And somebody would okay. call you saying, hey, that's not who did <laughs> that's it. Wrong. You know. But through the grapevine and relationship, gospel appointments are just a really neat way to engage people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, in the old days, we had tracks and you know those okay. kinds of things. And so it's it's a tool that's probably a little bit more organic for this generation. Basically, you you know you meet up with somebody. Hey, I want to have coffee with you for this purpose. It's not a bait and switch by any stretch oh, okay. of the imagination, which you know in the day happened often. Uh -huh. But this is specifically, I want to meet with you to talk with you about your spiritual journey. Okay. And so they set appointments, coffee, lunch, whatever. Um, and then it's real basic. Tell me your story. What's your spiritual journey? And then I share what my spiritual journey is and, you know, my, my conversion, my journey of knowing Christ and faith. And then you end with Jesus's story. Okay. Which is the nuts and bolts of the gospel. Yeah. Um, a distinctive of it also is that there is a time of response. So if I would share with you, you know, this is the story of Jesus, Courtney, and we'd go through it all. And then I would say, you know, do you want to respond to that? You know, what do you mm -hmm. think about that? And, if, and there's always room for a student to say, yeah, no, I'm thinking about it or I don't want to have anything to do with it. Yeah. But there's also times where it's like, I want that. I want to know that Jesus. And we've had conversions, Yeah. you know, in that. So awesome. it's just a very natural way to share the gospel with people. And so, you know, if your listeners are hearing and want to look up gospel appointments, it's a great tool for 25 years. It's one of the best, I think. Um, that we have because it's not really a tool. It's yeah. just being in conversation it's with being people. Being in relationship we love. with people, yeah. right? And loving yeah. people and caring about them and hearing. And that's that's part of the training we do with the students is listen to their story. Yeah. So often we are in the process of getting to what we're gonna talk about mm -hmm. that we miss everything they say. Yeah. So you've talked to me for 20 minutes and I've not heard anything because all I've thought about it was my response to mm -hmm. you. And so part of that training is the discipline to say, listen when they say things that have hurt them or discouraged them or they're just unknown yeah. so that you can answer questions, but then, you know, also that you're engaged because mm -hmm. if we're just there to check a box, you know, it's, it's, it's not as effective. Yeah. And people feel that. Absolutely. They 100%. feel the insincerity Absolutely. of that conversation. And our, and our college students today are not blind. There are so many yeah. things that our college students are criticized for. Um, their inability to feel valued is not one of them. Yeah. I mean, they, they feel value or lack of and how they're treated. I mean, 
there's, there's lots of argument that we over baby our college students in some ways. Mm. And I would agree with some of that, quite frankly, but, um, they've lived in a different world than you and I did going yeah. to college. There were things that they're scared of that I never dreamed. And I lived in the middle East, you know, right. and it just didn't occur to me that I should be afraid of certain things. And they live, you know, if you, if you asked our college students a couple of years ago, we went through a survey and the greatest thing they were fearful of is their parents dying. I'm like, well, wow. newsflash, that's going to happen one day. And, right. you know, and no parent wants to bury their child. So that's the natural progression. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the greatest fears that we found with our students. And I don't know if that's indicative of any of you. I think it's probably just students in general. So that's great. So to know how to reach out to your students, mm-hmm. you actually ask them like what their biggest mm-hmm. fear was so that you knew yeah. where they were instead of just assuming where they were. And teaching in that direction may be totally missing the mark. Yeah, exactly. Like, where are they at in life? Mm-hmm. I mean, 9-11 is a historical event to them. Even right. though they were alive. Yeah. You know, the kids that just turned, what, 18, I think, are the ones that were born. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it was the 18th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so they're the ones that were born on the day. But every other one of our college students were alive. They just were babies. And it's, right. it's historical to them. Yeah. They don't know what happened, but that and school shootings and those mm-hmm. things, they've lived under that. Their parents, more importantly, have lived yes. under that, which has changed how we parent in some ways, mm-hmm. I think. You know, and that's, I'm not, please don't hear that I'm criticizing parents, um, but that's the reality. Yeah. When I went to college, my parents were like, I love you. See ya. Uh, here's your phone card. Don't use it all. Don't spend all your money and we'll see you at Thanksgiving, you know, when they dropped yeah. me off in August. And our students talked to their parents multiple times a day, but I also didn't have a cell phone in college. You know, yeah. I didn't text endlessly all day long. And right. It's just, a, it's a different mindset and culture mm-hmm. that if we're going to reach this generation, we have to adapt to. And I don't think it's a bad thing. So talk about that adaption because you've mm-hmm. been working here for 24 years, mm-hmm. which means you have gone through the group of college students who didn't have cell phones mm-hmm. to the creation of Facebook, to the creation of Instagram, to the like over socialization, mm-hmm. if you will, where we're at now where you are always connected. Mm-hmm. Um, but never more alone. Mm-hmm. So talk about how that's changed your, the way that you minister to these kids. Yeah. So cell phones are funny. I'll get students say, well, I called you and I'm like, I'm at work. Well, I texted you. I'm at work. Right. You know, the instant having access to people they're used to and with their folks, you know, yeah. they do. If you walk into Walmart, I guarantee you, you're going to see an associate on the floor somewhere texting mm-hmm. and they're not supposed to be, you know, but that's just a different mindset. Um, you know, I think we probably have gone from the Gen Xers. I think probably the last set of Gen Xers were when I was still, when I was working here, I'm a Gen X, uh-huh. you know, you and I are, but I think probably we bled into that later generation to we're Gen Z now. They don't have a distinguishing name necessarily. Yeah. We're still kind of figuring out who and what they yeah. are, you know, and the millennials had the all, you know, everybody has something to say about a millennial. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and there, there are things that they say that are true, but, um, we don't give them the benefit of the doubt sometimes and we yeah. don't challenge them to more. Um, we made, we made the bed so to speak and how we raised them. Mm-hmm. And then we're criticizing them for, you know, being codependent on things. And, yeah. you know, so you would see students, um, that, that cared about school, that measured, you know, grades, each other, you know, kind of that rat race of, you know, high school that bleeds into school, um, to today where everything's on blast. I mean, mm-hmm. for the, by the way, Facebook is not used by college students for the most part. That's true. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's more of our generation. They're kind of phasing out. They're like, what is Facebook? Right. But My mom's on Facebook. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and I, and I love it cause I keep up and I see when people have babies and all that kind of stuff. Um, we have that platform because of our former students yeah. that are on it. 
um, the students today, Instagram and Snapchat, yeah. of course, are the big ones. And um, that's how we reach students. Like, we don't even email them because they don't read their emails. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, they, oh, you sent me an email. And I'm thinking, you have to do that for school. Yeah. But, you know, they just don't. And so we... What, professors don't Snapchat you yeah, your homework? I, I, you think. <laughs> I'm like, if a professor did that, he'd be the most popular one on campus. Seriously. You know? <laughs> when the first week of school here, the internet was down. And so BB Learn is their... their um, platform for mm-hmm. contacting students and interacting and it was a mess the first week of school because nobody could do anything online oh, no. and yeah it was kind of a fiasco and our students were stressing out they were here a lot in the building because we have internet because it's separate from the university oh right um, but they're students you ask the question of what's different they're just so much more connected mm-hmm. um electronically right. i would think in our time we were more connected socially and personally because we had to like get together mm-hmm. you know I had to figure out oh I couldn't wait to go you know wherever Sunday morning to see my friends right because I'd been apart from them or I couldn't wait to go home and catch up on at Christmas break yeah you know you and I didn't live in a generation where um, we were on the phone all the time either yeah. we had a phone card and when it ran out that was it for long distance you mm-hmm. know our students don't know anything about long distance unless yeah. it involves you know calling overseas or something and, wait that cost extra right exactly and so the connectivity. Even overseas. Mm-hmm. You can do it over Facebook oh, yeah. and it's, oh, yeah. you know, it's free. I, I called home from Zambia this summer on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. yeah. And it was fantastic. I talked to my nieces and nephews, but they, they have a higher level of connectivity than we have ever seen mm-hmm. and yet are socially more alone in some ways. And I think that puts pressure on body image. It puts pressure on um, envy. Yeah. You know, what do they have? What, you know, if you're doing well in school, instead of learning to celebrate the joys and the successes of your brother or sister, we, we become more envious, I think in some ways of Mm. what it is. And I'm a, I'm a photographer by trade also. And so, you know, the, the, the photos on Facebook, I kind of laugh at and not to be overcritical, but nobody turns their neck that way and looks at the camera and pouts their lips like that. And I see those and I just, you know, kind of rub my head thinking, what are you doing? And they're going to look back 10 years and think, what was I doing? You know, but but that pursuit for that perfect picture. Mm-hmm. You know, I was reading an article this morning about how many deaths have already happened in 2019 from people hanging off of rocks <gasps> or just doing really dumb things really to dumb get things. that perfect picture. Yeah. Now, mind you, I've hung off of the edge of the Grand Canyon and stuff in the day <laughs> to do a shoot that I was contracted for, but I was also like harnessed, you know, Okay, well, stuff. there you go. That's safe. You know, but I mean, these kids are just hanging off of stuff because it's that pursuit of image. And I think that's what yeah. it comes down to is this pursuit of image and who I am. Yeah. And a key factor, I think, in campus ministry is to help them translate that into they are the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. And their image should be that of Christ Jesus, not, you know, I mean, we all want to look cute and have our hair yeah. cute, you know, those are the older we die things and cut things shorter and wear spandex and, right. you know, so everybody wants to look pretty and feel pretty or, you know, be handsome. But this pursuit of image, there's a, there's a disconnect even with our Christian kids mm-hmm. um, in that you're, you're absolute pursuit should be that of Christ Jesus mm-hmm. and everything else comes after that, you know? Yeah. And so that perfect picture means nothing. If behind that picture, you're living a life that's just deprived of Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? And so that, as I work with our college women, cause I meet with our women, we do women to women and men to men, you know, those are things we talk about a lot are, you know, what are your image and, um, you know, who are you in Jesus? Uh-huh. Um, I know that image is like a really big deal. I think it has to do a lot, really any age, but obviously our high schoolers and our college kids right now, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes I have, I don't know if it's being wise or being just tired <laughs> that I look on Instagram and I see those moms that are dropping their kids off and they've got like 
the makeup done, <laughs> and like the perfect fashionable outfit. outfit. And I'm like, ain't nobody got time for that. It's probably like, an Instagram filter. Well, <laughs> right, where's the Instagram filter for like yeah. your whole outfit? Right. <laughs> I'm like, I've got my leggings on and a big t-shirt and yeah. see ya. Yeah, messy you know? bun. Messy bun, exactly. I'm like, I don't know when you had time. How early did you get up? Yeah. Anyway, um, so it's either wisdom or just being ty- too tired and not caring. Yeah. Um, but that image, right, that they're trying to portray or whatever, we know that that's an issue. Mm-hmm. What are the other things that you see college kids dealing with that maybe might surprise us, but you're having to deal with them every week? So I think, I mean, we get we get a plethora of students come in in their spiritual journey. So we'll get students that, you know, have been well discipled. Okay. And, and have applied that to their life. Because I think we also have students who were well discipled and just didn't listen. You know, you get, <laughs> yeah. you get shallowness. It's not always the youth group's fault that, you know, they're, they're shallow in their faith and in their walks with the Lord. Um, or they're, their first time out. Yes, yes. Because I know I had my time yes. that way, and yeah. it was like the first time yeah. out in the world. Yeah, like, I can do whatever yeah. I want. Yeah, and I and I think that's that's a lot of it. But, but it's but it's different. It's it's almost like there's this there's two sides of the coin that is just it's um, astounding to me in some ways because they're out in the world, they can do what they want, they're on their own, but then they're texting their mom and dad five times a day. Yeah, like those are happening simultaneously, and so I'm like. It kind of blows my mind in some ways because I was like, bye, mom. See ya. You know, I called once a week and when I didn't, I got in trouble, uh-huh. you know, because my dad's like, call your mother. But, you know, these guys want to be free and on their own, but then they're also every single decision mm-hmm. is weighed against their parents. And I, and I put myself in, in the parents' place and I think, what if I had an 18-year-old kid and, you know, that was going off to college or 20-year-old or whatever. And I just have a different mindset because I feel like you're an adult. You got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, I will always be a sounding board for you. Mm-hmm. I will always you know, listen or give advice if asked, you know, maybe even some unsolicited at times, but you're an adult and you got to mm-hmm. figure this out on your own and mm-hmm. sink or swim. This is, I mean, you're held accountable right. for yourself. And so I think the challenge, I say all that to, because I think one of the challenges our students have is parents are saying, you know, be on your own, be on your own, but then there's still this connection yeah. that we haven't seen really before, but we're the parents who grew up with Columbine, Sandy Hook, you know, yeah. and Virginia Tech and all of those. I mean, we were either in school or getting ready to be in college or we were being parents at that time. Yeah. And so we've lived, our generation has lived scared that our kids aren't going to come home from school. Right. And I think, you know, a challenge for the students is negotiating through that water of being an adult. Yeah. I mean, we do new student orientations all summer long here, and I can't tell you how many times um, the students are not the ones that approach us first. It's the parent grabbing them by the arm pulling them to our table. You need to sign this. You know, you need to, you need to get my kid to do this. Interesting. You know, you need to be involved in this and you know, they'll leave the table and I'll look at Mark or whoever's with me and say, you know, we're never going to see them because they were not the ones interested in coming to us. I mean, there's occasionally that'll happen, but the majority of them, their parents sign it and they'll, you know, so we'll text them when school starts and they're like, how did you get my number? Like I'm the CIA or something. (laughs) And I'm like, you filled out my card in May, you know? Yeah. And, and they're, they're just uninterested, but the parents are so, um, urgent like desperate almost. yes yes for their kids it's like live or die kind of thing and yeah. I mean and it is a life and death when we're talking about kingdom and eternity but you know for them to do the right thing in college and and be the person um they're they're supposed to be the 
the disconnect is, is they have to figure that, that out on their own. You yeah. and I had to figure that out. We were raised in homes that were believing homes. Mm-hmm. Church, I mean, I was at church. That's in the old days when Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and yeah. occasionally a Friday, you know, um, which I don't now, and I'm glad, but um, <laughs> I was raised in that environment, and so, you know, I had to figure it out on yeah. my own. And our students, you know, their folks want them to figure it out, but then they're also telling them, you know. Okay, so um, I actually asked our patrons on patreon.com uh-huh. for some questions for okay. you. And one of these fits perfectly right here, so I'm just going to throw it out. So um, one of our patrons is a mom who actually lives in Europe. Okay. And she's going to be sending her son very soon to college in the United States. Um, and so she's wondering, first of all, how do you help your child when you live so far away? And I'm sure, like, my parents lived in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I lived in Flagstaff. It was a two-hour drive. It really wasn't that hard, but it certainly felt right, right. far away. Yeah. Right? It wasn't across town. It, it, yeah, it wasn't yeah. across town. Um, and then how do you make that connection with them uh, when they're struggling or mm-hmm. when things are hard? Mm-hmm. Like, how do, you, how do you get them to talk about these things? It sounds like mm-hmm. you're not having a problem getting college kids to talk to their parents, but... It's what they're talking about, though, probably. Yeah, yeah, What's exactly. The... So how do you get to them to talk about, like, the serious things? Right. Um, and and how, do you, how do you keep that connection? Well, you know, first and foremost, for followers of Christ, I would tell them you need to pray for your kids. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of a no-brainer, but mm-hmm. sometimes we have to state the obvious um, and trust that God has a plan for them mm-hmm. and that he loves them more than we do. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know, Courtney. I think part of growing up is making some mistakes along the way. Yeah, you know, you learn things. And I'm not talking about the big derailing, screw your life up stuff. But we make choices sometimes that are just stupid. Yeah, you know. And so for you know, a mom, I would tell her, you know, talk to your students, to your kid, about some boundaries. Mm. Like have that conversation. I mean, the the distance from Europe to here is problematic because of time zones. Your student is in college. They're probably not up at 6 a.m. It's an unrealistic expectation for you to think you could be going to bed. You know, it's 10 o'clock at night or whatever, where you are, whatever time zone you are over there, um, that your kid's going to get up and talk to you right before you go to bed. Mm -hmm. Like that's, you're setting yourself up for failure with that because, you know, they may have been up studying. They may have been up partying because they're, you know, trying to figure out who they are and, and in my estimation, making bad choices, but that's part of you know, figuring stuff out and getting caught and mm-hmm. having consequences, but have a conversation about boundaries of, you know, how often is realistic to talk? How often um, do you expect them to text you? You know, what, what are those, what are those expectations? I think a parent needs to say to their kid, these are kind of what I'm expecting mm-hmm. as your mom, but you are an adult. The other side of that coin is to listen to your kid to say, okay, mom, dad, that's unrealistic for me. Yeah. You know, I, I have lab until whatever, and I have a study group till 1130 at night or it's finals week. And, you know, finals are very different than they were when we were in college. They're all over the place. Okay. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to talk to you tonight because I'm doing this and for the parents to be okay with that. Okay. Like that's part of learning to let them be out of the nest, learn to let them grow up. It may not be the best choice always, Mm -hmm. but giving them room as an adult to push back. You know, and I mean, and it's hard because if they're financially dependent on their parent, I mean, I wouldn't pay for my student to be in school and make D's. I'll be honest with you. Right. I'd be like, you either better have a decent grade or you're on your own. Yeah. I'm not going to pay for you to just go to school and party and mess around or even not party, but just mess around and have friends and mm-hmm. do nothing all day and get D's. But I mean, have those conversations, you know, mm-hmm. what if, 
you know, yeah. and, and have grace. Uh, I mean, it's harder, I think, if you're not a follower of Jesus, but as a follower of Jesus, where do you have grace for your kid? Um, you know, set appointed times to talk. Mm-hmm. Maybe instead of every single day, it's once a week or, you know, something special. I would say, you know, send them care packages, mm-hmm. you know, not from Europe. There's tons of companies in the United States where you can order stuff okay. overpriced as it may be. Of course. You know, I think even like our university has during finals week where you can order the NAU bucket that has a bunch of, you know, stuff, like even healthy stuff. Our, yeah. our university is pretty green, so it's not all, you know... <laughs> Pizza is quite a, yeah, it's not, a hippie town, yeah. all into natural. Yeah, you're Everyone gonna, walks and yeah. rides their bikes. You're going to get your kombucha and your kale chips, you oh, know, not sure. your Cheez-Its and pizza. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's lots of companies that they can, you know, call and send stuff to. The other, the other thing is to have parents help encourage their students to find community. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, obviously church. But even if you're not a follower of Jesus, I would tell us to find a church to be a part of, you know, that you feel mm-hmm. comfortable in, that's just going to love you where you are. We have students that come to our church that they don't know the Lord. Yeah, They're not really interested in knowing the Lord on the surface. I mean, clearly there's something stirring in their soul that they hang out with us. But, you know, find community because that's, that's what helps with retention on the university level is when you get somewhere you're planted, you find home. Mm-hmm. then you're not as restless and unhappy at where you're at and yeah. staying. And so, you know, helping them, you know, I would say to my kid, you know, have you found somewhere? Do you need my help with anything? And most of the time that's, you got to be careful to not push too far mm-hmm. and do everything for them because they have to figure that out. Yeah. You know, on their and I'm own. sure that depends on the kids. Absolutely. Some kids will be like, mom, yeah. back off. And yeah. some would happily let their mom come yeah. in and do their laundry and clean oh, their yeah. dorm room every week. And that's the, that's the advice to the parent that would happily do that. Don't do it. Yeah. That is the worst thing you can do for your student is do everything for them. Mm-hmm. You know, the university caters towards this generation to where during new student orientation, they have classes and, you know, all the sign up stuff for the students. Well, they have a track for the parents. They have a track for the kids that come with the parents. Okay. I believe last year they even had a track for the grandparents. Wow. And so, okay. you know, because that's about retention and money right. and all of that. But I mean, that's the world we live in is where, you know, what do you need to know? How much more do you need to know? The parents, I'm astounded at it what we've seen where students came to new student orientation and parents were hanging out, having coffee to where they're physically walking through every booth. The parents are having more conversation. Um, but that's an eagerness mm-hmm. to have your kids succeed. And yeah. like I said, it's just a different generation of, of parenting mm-hmm. that I, you know, my parents were like, figure it out. And, right. And it's different. And I, and, and I, and I hesitate to say it's bad. There's a lot of criticism of that, but long-term results is what we have to, is what we have to look at. You know, are you as a parent going to write your kid's first resume? I mean, some of you might, and that's mm-hmm. probably not a good thing. Well, and I, I think too, at some point, right, you have to look beyond your family for community. Mm-hmm. And, um, there might be some people that disagree with me, but mm-hmm. <laughs> Personally, that's what I think is healthy. Mm-hmm. I think you need to have a great relationship mm-hmm. with your family and with your parents, and then you need to have great relationships outside of your family. Yeah. And as a high school teacher, I used to tell incoming freshmen, because I was a choir teacher, so mm-hmm. I was an elective. Right. They could choose to come to my class, or I, would, I could never see them in their four years of high school. Mm-hmm. And we would have freshmen come in in the introductory week, mm-hmm. and I would say, I don't care if you choose choir or if you don't, but find something you mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. If it's chess club, great. Mm-hmm. If it's like you're an athlete and you are on the football team, great. Find something mm-hmm. that you are interested in and plug into that community. Because in four years from now, when I talk to you, whether or not you enjoyed high school is dependent on if you got involved. Right. And yeah. that senior yeah. after senior, 
how was high school? I hated it. Because you had no connectivity outside. Yeah, of, exactly. What yeah. did you do? Well, nothing. I came to school and I left. Well, who wants to come to yeah. school just to go to class? Yeah. Well, and I think college would be the exact same way. Yeah. The, the difference is, is up here, the days are cold and uh-huh. short. I mean, the mountain, we're dark sky city, so it's really dark and uh-huh. it gets really cold in the spring. If we have a good snow year, I mean, you know those years, yeah. it's just like... I mean, we get to May and we're like, please, Jesus, let the you flowers. My mom would yell at me for walking around in the snow on my flip flops. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah those, those years. Days. You know, <laughs> and so students, I mean, they either make or break it at that point yeah. because if they have connectivity and, and community, then they have life here. Yeah. If not, they're lonely. It's dark. It's cold. You know, you don't go outside if you're not acclimated. Uh-huh. You're in a 12 by 12 dorm room. That connectivity is what helps them with, is they find deep community where they can be real uh-huh. and be honest. You know, for a parent, uh, you know, you asked about advice for parents. The other thing I would tell like your mom or any other mom is, um, especially if you know the Lord, you can't live in fear. You absolutely mm. can. I mean, that's, I hesitate to say it because I don't want somebody to misconstrue, but I mean, we border on being sinful when we live in fear yeah. because God does not call us to have that spirit in us. Um, and certainly not with our kids. I mean, no one wants their kid to go anywhere down the road and have horrible things happen to them. But it's a trust factor of, do you trust that Jesus has a plan and come what may, that yeah. plan is going to happen? Uh-huh. Or do you live in fear trying to fix everything about that? I know life can be hard and it becomes even more difficult when you feel like you're walking alone with no one to turn to. So I created The Play Process, a four-step guide for finding a mentor or a discipler. Pray, look, ask, and act. Our play process includes a worksheet which walks you through each step using scripture and prayer prompts. The Play Process worksheet is available for free on our website at journeyofruthpodcast.com slash download. My prayer, friends, is that no one feels alone in this world And this is just a small way that I can help you find hope for today and tomorrow. So go download the worksheet and begin your walk through the play process today. I mean, I think it shows something about us when we try to fix everything that we think we're in control. And don't we all, don't we all, we think we're in control, but you know, for a parent, if I, you know, maybe we need to do a parent seminar every year. I don't know, to help some of our incoming students, you know, talk about like, you gotta, you gotta keep the lid on your fear and yeah. and not share everything with your kid mm-hmm. and trust the Lord, you know, talk to your spouse or your, your people, whoever your people are in that network. Cause you as a mom need people yeah, absolutely. and your kid needs people yes. and they need to be different people. Yes. And your kid doesn't need to be your person all the time because oh, you're, for sure. you're the parent, you're the parent, not the best friend or you shouldn't yes. be. You know, my mom, I loved my mom when she was still alive. She was not my best friend. My dad was her best friend. And so I was raised with that. So when people are like, my mom's my best friend, and please don't call her and tell her that I'm saying the most awful thing. <laughs> but but the reality is, guys, like we're in different stages of life and different concerns and different things happen. And so it's good for us to have our people that are in yeah. our, our tribe that know, feel, breathe. You know, the other moms that are sending their kids to college that are like, what is my kid going to do? Are they even, you know, going to graduate? Are they going to meet their spouse? You know, I mean, there's, and there's a whole other world for the Christian student that exists on the college campus now with tolerance and acceptability of gender identities and all of those things that have been so blurred to our students now, things that were very black and white to us are not to them. And we, and we can't be mean about it to them. It's a teaching point and it's a discipleship point. We can't just drop the rod and say, that's wrong. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it is wrong, but we have to think through why and what we talk about and, and judge it against God's word and use God's word as the plumb line with them. You can't just say you're not supposed to do that. Well, well and why? I think that's, that's real life, right? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we can step out of high school Mm -hmm. and we've been in a bubble of sorts. You know, our parents Mm -hmm. have been able to protect us if we went to um, a Christian school Mm -hmm. that protected us maybe, Mm -hmm. or, you know, my parents always, they had us at public school. Same. I was a public school kid. Yeah. In the world, not of the world. Right. And, um, that led to some really great conversations. Absolutely. Right. And so I think, if you're afraid of sending your kid to a public university mm-hmm. because of that, actually, I think that opens up really great conversation doors. Yeah. Like what happens when the person that is in their room is their roommate is a Buddhist mm-hmm. and comes home and offers them food that's been offered to idols at the Buddhist temple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm like, yeah. am I allowed to eat this food? <laughs> right. There's a scripture in the Bible that talks anyway, yeah. but like, those are those are experiences yeah. you don't get if you're like, yeah. well, I'm going to stay around mm-hmm. only Christians. But see, I think even at the Christian universities, we see more and more. Yeah, the I pet, was at a Christian university. I was at Baylor University yeah. when that happened, you know? You know, more and more, and even in here in Arizona, our Christian universities, they're dealing with homosexuality. Yeah. They're dealing with gender fluidity. That's a whole other thing. If you don't know what that is, look it up. That ups the ante on what we think we know about stuff. And yeah. Is way more confusing, but um, you know, uh, non-belief or mm-hmm. construed beliefs, Christian ease beliefs. I mean, that exists even in the Christian campuses. Yeah. You know, I mean, there there's a reason a bunch of little kids that were not Catholic went to Catholic schools in the day yeah. because it was a good education, mm-hmm. and so they didn't necessarily believe. And I, we see that at the at the collegiate level as well. Um, you know, and and for a parent, I just you know, I really just pray for them to let go yeah. of their student, let them have some places to succeed and, and become who God's created them to be. Or, um, we're laughing sorry. because <laughs> Lainey's dog is at the door going, why am I not in there with you guys? She's scratching at the door because she's being left out. Um, but, but the other part is to fail. It is okay yeah. to fail. Failing makes us stronger, makes us more importantly, wiser. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're a kid, don't touch the stovetop. You're going to burn your hand. Well, if you did it, you only did it once. Yeah. You know, you, you reach into the oven without the mitt when your mom's teaching you to cook, you only do it once mm-hmm. without the oven mitt because you learn, mm-hmm. you know, and for us, I mean, and, and sometimes the consequences are devastating. Absolutely. I don't mean to minimize that, but you know, people being able to learn to fail. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. You know, your kid, kind of going off the rails a little bit here and there. It's not the end of the world because God uses all of that. I mean, time and time again in scripture, we see where God's people just went sideways on stuff. Yeah. And yet he brought them back around or, you know, changed nations, changed hearts. You know, I would have never planned out the way the crucifixion happened to be perfectly honest. I mean, no, 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 nobody in human history would have planned it that way. And yet God is so much more infinite and wiser and omniscient than we are that he fixed it that way on purpose. Yeah. You know, and so with our, with our students, um, you know, I, 
encourage your kids to get good grades, you know, do their best. If they're in a program where they're failing miserably or they're miserable, it is okay to change your degree. How I many mean, times do college kids change their Oh gosh, majors? it's like three or four times, which I never yeah. did. I like, I, I came neither, in, I knew what I wanted. I was yeah. going to do it. But it's, it's common because I think sometimes they make choices based on other people's opinion than their own uh. or because maybe they can draw a little bit. So they think they're going to be a graphic designer and they get into it and learn that it's not just doodling on the church bulletin or, yeah. you know, the back of whatever. And they hate it yeah. and they have to figure that out after they've bombed out of class for a semester, you know, but have the dialogue with your kids about, are, are you thriving in this? Uh-huh. Like, do you see a future? Cause most people don't use their college degrees to be honest. Right. You know, you find work elsewhere there. You know, I was a political science undergrad, which I thought, okay. how in the world, God, would you have me do this? Which I didn't consult him about, but I just, you know, that was my <laughs> path. How in the world would this be helpful in ministry? You'd be surprised, like getting in and out of foreign countries, Knowing like what's okay with visas and not, you know, God has used my degree time and time again yeah. in traveling and, and negotiating other national or other nations with our students. But, you know, having dialogue with our, your student about, is this really what you feel like you're supposed to do? Yeah. You know, what, it's okay to say, no, I'm going to change. I mean, how many times do people change their jobs in a lifetime? We don't live in a world you know, I'm an exception that I'm a campus missionary at the same place for almost 25 years. Right. Yeah. You know, Mark, the guy I work with is at 31 years. Wow. We're, we're the oddity. We're also the two longest tenured campus missionaries, BSU directors, whatever, yeah. you know, term you would know in Arizona's history. Wow. And so, um, you know, it's not uncommon for, you know, the, the latter millennials and certainly probably the Gen Zers to change jobs multiple times. Yeah. That's not, that's not a bad thing necessarily or Mm -hmm. a a weird thing. And so to encourage your student to dig in and find like where they have purpose. And that's, that's what I tell students. Like, is it just a job or do you have something you have purpose? If you have passion about teaching, what is your purpose in that? Yeah. It's not to make money in Arizona. That's for sure. (laughs) You know, (laughs) but is your purpose because you have an outlet to invest in the future you know, mm-hmm. of our, of our, of our humanity. And, you know, and if you're in a Christian school, you can teach the things of the Lord. If you're in public school, you can't, but you can still have influence Absolutely. in a child's life and how you are and how you relate, you know, they're watching. And so, you know, our students, what, what do you find purpose and joy in? And mm-hmm. there are days that you love your job. And then there are days you come in and you're like, I don't have any joy in this. And I'd rather go sit and count sea turtles, you know, on the beach somewhere because I tell our students, there's nothing you like doing every single day. Yeah. Like even your spouse, you're not going to like every single day. That's reality. But mm-hmm. you know, this fantasy and Instagramism that we have, everything's always roses and unicorns. Yeah. You know, especially right now, unicorns have had a resurgence and the you know, 1980s are coming unicorns alive. If only we had all of our stuff oh, uh, my gosh. from then, you know, I know, but you know, what, what, what do you feel like you're contributing to the world? Okay. How are you contributing? And for a, a Christian student that I'm discipling, how are you contributing to the kingdom? Yeah. You know, you, you meet somebody, they come to know the Lord, they get invested, but they don't go to your church. Is that okay? Like in the old days, it's kind of like, Oh, what, you know? And today I'm like, it's kingdom work. Yeah. You know, they know the Lord where God calls them to be is his business, not mine. Mm-hmm. My business was to respond to his calling to share the gospel, period. Yeah. And so for a student, you know, where where is God calling you to invest, to pour your life in for the kingdom? And what does that look like? You know, is it... Because that can be anywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. It could be overseas like you and I did back Mm -hmm. in the day. Yeah. Or, you know, it could be, I don't know, a janitor to school. It could be... I love all the videos online that show like the little kids that wait for the garbage guys to come and have like the water bottles and stuff. And I think about like those guys have purpose. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've lived in countries where there was not sanitation. 
that's take you know the or trucks. sanitation workers that yeah. go on strike every other yeah. week. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, you, yeah, you know, and so I mean, I've lived in countries where that we take that for granted, and I'm like, it's all part of our society. Yeah, and so there's nothing that's, and I, I think that's a big part, maybe that we could help our students know there's no job that is too small and too meaningless, mm. and maybe that's kind of where we're at because everybody's supposed to have a college degree, which devalues in some ways that there's no other option for you. Yeah. I would tell a student, if you're not sure about college, don't go. Mm-hmm. Like you can still come to Christian challenge to the H group, you know, mm-hmm. but don't go, go, you know, not, not the gap year where you're just farting around for, you know, a year or two doing nothing. I don't, yeah. I'm not a proponent of that, but go know, figure out what you love. Yeah. Go get a job, save your money. Don't live on your parents. And that's the other thing. Parents don't let your kids just live for free. <laughs> Okay. You want advice about why we create the storm and then we stand in it. And so don't let them just come home and live for free. Make some requirements, you know, help pay for food or pay some sort of rent. I mean, you don't have to tap them out where they can't save, but the reality is that's life. Yeah. I mean, people, these men and women's, women's ages in world war II were commanding the armies that saved us from the tyranny of Nazism, not playing on the video games in their parents' basement. And yeah. so, you know, be, be careful about what your, your boundaries are if your kids come home, because two years later, you're going to complain because they've not left yet. Well, yeah. why would they leave? It's pretty cushy, you know? Right. And you've spent a lifetime to have a certain lifestyle that they're accustomed to, and they've not done their dues to have that same lifestyle, you know? Yeah. And, and so, you know, have those boundaries if they do come home mm-hmm. to say, what's your plan? Yeah. What are you going to do with your life? You know, you can't just wait forever. Set boundaries, uh-huh. set expectations. And timelines. Timelines, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and make some requirements of them that make them be responsible, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, there, there's a term that, that is used now called prolonged adolescence. And I think the hmm. last age that they kind of landed at that prolonged adolescence went to was 26, like interesting. I had multiple degrees and was like paying my own way by the time I was 26. But now, you know, that's, it's kind of, we've malingered into that longer and longer. 26. Isn't that when you have to get off your parents' insurance? I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you're still kind of living like you're a teenager and, but you want to be an adult and do your own thing and have your own way. But then you want mom and dad to pay for it all. So you right. can't have it both ways. You got to figure that out. Yeah. You know, and, and for a student, that, you know, parents, I'm like, you've got to figure that stuff out. Like, yeah. and talk, I mean, maybe if you're, you know, the 40, 50 something sending a student, you know, go find somebody that's about 60 or 70 that sent their student when they sent them with no cell phones and, you know, you wrote letters and maybe a phone call once a month and ask them, how was it when you sent your kid? Mm-hmm. They still graduated probably. They still love Jesus. They found their spouses, their lives were still, I mean, maybe to have that conversation with somebody yeah. from a different generation yeah. to see how, how did you deal with sending your students? And it like is. Like your kids are still alive. Yeah. They're successful. Yes. Tell me what you did to make right. that happen. Right. What, cause there's a vast difference between that generation of sending off uh-huh. to today. And so maybe find somewhere in between yeah. to where you still have a little bit of that care because the reality is in the fifties, we weren't worrying about somebody coming on campus and shooting everybody. Yeah. Um, 2019, yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't even get into a dorm at NAU anymore without card. I mean, like scanning your ID and yeah. you know checking who's going in and out because of those things that happen. Yeah. So there is a reality and it's um, there is an actual threat that does exist. However, do we live in fear? Yeah. Or do we live victorious and going, well, I'm going to be prudent in all things yeah. and try to be you know as safe and prudent as I can be. 
but but not living in the shadow of fear all the mm-hmm. time. I mean, I don't well, I don't walk on campus thinking, gosh, somebody's gonna shoot me. Right. I mean, but the reality is, could it? Sure. You know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I know Jesus too, so I'm like, all right. You know, it's an all upgrade. Right. It's an upgrade. <laughs> but but you know, for the parents, if you're if you're that scared of your kid going to school, find somebody that's done it. Yeah. And ask them like, okay, you you had this mindset or this fear. What was the outcome of that? Right. You know what what would you tell your younger self? 20 years later, 10 years later, five years later, what would you tell yourself about sending your kid to college that would have made things better, easier, you know, a little less stressful maybe, Yeah. you know, and so with that in mind, um, this is actually a question from mm-hmm. another one of our okay. patrons, Megan Plunkett. Oh, you know I do know Megan. <laughs> <laughs> so she had this question. What do you wish that college students had a better grasp on or a handle on before they came to campus? In general or Christian college students? Uh, she said spiritually or otherwise. Okay, so, so spiritually, hands down, unapologetically, the grasp of being able to verbalize the gospel. So what is it that you believe, basically? Yeah, I mean, and if somebody came to me and said, so you follow this Jesus dude, what does that mean? Yeah. A student being able to say X, Y, and Z, A, B, and C, this is who Jesus is. Um, also to the point of... admit, believe, yeah, confess, Yeah, ABC. go figure, what, right? <laughs> You know, and, you know, and if, you know, if you confess in your heart, you know, that, yeah. kind of, you know, those, those basic things that I think maybe we've shied away from because it makes people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like for a student to know what the gospel is, whether they believe it or not, but to be able to verbalize and know the gospel, I think is, is huge because as they come and get involved in ministry, you know, we have a big camp every year um, with the convention, the Arizona Southern Baptist Convention called Zona Camp. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fantastic camp. It's a lot of work. We don't do everything right every time. Nobody does. You know, we're, we're, it's in June at Biola University. So Zona Camp is in California. Oh, um, yeah, well. But, you know, I think there was like 1,500 people it's that came last there, year. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. kind of, yeah. And, you know, we have all these teenagers come. And so it's staffed with college students. They're the ones that are, you know, leading groups, moving the bodies of the junior hires. If you've ever worked with junior hires, oh dear, you know, it's like yes. herding cats. It and is. so, you know, they're moving them and, and we go for two days of training prior to camp and we're dealing with things like presentation of the gospel. I mean, things, you know, how do you deal with talking about the hard things when a when a high school kid comes and tells you they've been abused or those, you know, all of those mandatory reporting and you know, mm-hmm. all of the things mm-hmm. that if your teacher yeah. You know, you know, and so time and time and time again, the weak part for my new ones that come has been, well, how do I tell somebody about Jesus? Yeah. I can talk about him. I can talk about why I like him, but the nuts and bolts of the gospel, because asking Jesus in your heart is not the gospel. Yeah. That's the care bear love wins all kind of stuff. You know, I mean, there's some lordship is different than love and for a student, hmm. um, to have an idea of that, or at least a platform for when we come and say, well, I'm going to change your terminology in the four years you're here yeah, because you will never leave Christian challenge NAU and say, I asked Jesus in my heart yeah, because it doesn't mean, I mean, I know in my head what they mean. The problem is, is we live in a, a generation that's postmodern and has no frame of reference for church anymore. Do you know, I refuse to use that term with my five-year-old. Good. <laughs> well, it is good. Except I'm, I'm like, okay, there's, I got to figure out the word. He's your boss. Yeah. Jesus is your boss. Jesus is your boss. Oh, I He's like your that. boss. Okay. That's, that's what I would tell the, the kids at church and stuff in my mind. You know, Jesus, is he the boss of you? Yeah. Who, Cause we talk about that. Who's the boss of you? Quit being the boss of your sibling. Yeah. You know, don't tell right. your brother what to do. Who's the I'm boss the of boss. you? I'm the boss. Mom and dad are the boss. So <laughs> Jesus is the boss of you. And, yeah. You know, but that's, 
that's one of the things for our, you know, if, if I was hanging out with youth ministers, I would talk about like, how do we, how we have to collaboratively figure out how we help them mm-hmm. know the verbiage and to share. And there's no magic, you know, words necessarily. They can right. say it a little different, but lordship is different than loveship. So and explain that. Break so that down a bit. Anybody can love Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is lovable. You know, he did all this nice stuff for us and I can love him. Lordship is that confessing that he is Lord, which the Bible says, if you confess him with your mouth, that he is Lord, not that he loves you, you're saved. And, you know, and that's, I mean, that's paraphrasing, but that's the kind of ideology because love is easy. Mm-hmm. Loving everybody is easy. The Lordship stuff is what starts separating us to where we understand like these people over here that have this particular lifestyle or, or way of doing things that's sinful, I can still be involved in their lives and be an example to them, but we're not the same. Yeah. We're, there's nothing about us that is the same. And so, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, I would say that, I mean, with parents, I tell them the same thing I tell non-believing parents, like cut the strings a little. For a non-believing parent, their kid coming to school, you know, I would tell them, you know, that's, that's, it's a, it's a paradigm that's different because for a non-believing parent, you know, join the fraternity, do the things, experience life, spread your wings, sow your wild oats, all that kind of you yeah. know, stuff. Um, I think they would encourage, but I would, I would tell a non-believing parent, you know, to, to tell your kid to make good choices, mm. like think about the long-term effect and probably non and believing parents. Our kids live in so the instant moment that sometimes we don't think about what our choices do long-term, you know, like, am I going to make a decision at 19 that's going to have a very bad effect for me when I'm 30 or 29 or, you know, whatever. I mean, an example of that would be a young man that makes a choice about dating somebody that's underage, that completely innocent in that. But if one day her parents wake up and file charges that follows him the rest of his life. Yeah. He's not a pedophile in the sense that, you know, he's going after children, but that magic number, whatever state you're in, that says you're an adult or not for consent of relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a girlfriend in high school. He moves to college. There's still boyfriend, girlfriend. Now mom's mad at you about something. And you have, you know, a mandatory, you know, recording or that you have to do. You know, you have to yeah. report because of a decision. So you have to weigh every decision that you make on what is the long term. And, and I mean, and in youth, we don't do that. Our brains are yeah. not wired to do that. We're just like now and whatever. You know, but I think um, that, and then I think also helping both of them learn better money habits. Okay. Our students don't have good money habits. I mean, we're, I think we're facing a financial crisis in the near future with student loan debts. Mm. You know, we went through that with the housing market. I, I think we're probably not that far from student debt um, crisis in our country um, because you either have tons of money to go to school or you have nothing. The people in between are the ones that, you know, you don't have enough money to pay for it, but you're not poor enough to get everything for free yeah. Um, or your grades weren't good enough to get scholarships, but they're living on loans yeah. and just blowing money right and left. I mean, I, I, there was a reason I don't like spaghetti all that much now because I ate a lot of it in college, you know? Was, <laughs> I mean, we had top ramen, but I was up a little bit. I had spaghetti, you know? And, hey. and they joke about, you know, what we eat, but the reality is, is a lot of students, I mean, I think we see an extreme. We've got students here at NAU that are living in their cars. Wow. People don't realize that too. I mean, there's, I don't know what they're going to do in the winter here either because it's incredibly cold and you can't park on the streets because of the snow. Right. And so, but I mean, there are college students in America that are literally living in their cars going to school, you know, and I think those kids are fighting hard, you yeah. know, for that. They are determined. Yeah. And then we have kids, you know, who take out the maximum amount of student loan 
and they're paying for school and books and all those things, but then they're also blowing the excess on whatever. Yeah. Um, well, I graduated in 2007, mm-hmm. and last year we paid off my mm-hmm. my student it loans. Finally. Follows you. So it does. I mean, now there were a couple of years where I was living internationally, so I sure I wasn't paying on sure. them and and all that type of stuff. Yeah. But um, it, still, I mean, it follows you, and then you get to a point where you're ready to. You feel like okay, I have a job, mm-hmm. and I want to go and do all these things, and you realize that in some way you're hamstringed because you you have the student loan debt so you can't just go do whatever you want or you are and you're not paying your student debt off well, yeah, and that's you're defaulting true. you're defaulting but uh-huh. then there's this constant like anxiety uh-huh. that lives uh-huh. within you because you're like I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay my bills yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do and so I I get it because mm-hmm. I have done the student loan thing mm-hmm. I have chosen the really expensive college mm-hmm. and then realized that was dumb. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and came to NAU. Your, your degree is going to be the same no matter what. Yeah. It was. Look yeah. at that. How about yeah. that? Um, but, I, but I think that's a really big thing for, you know, it doesn't matter where your spiritual state is when it comes to your student. Yeah. Talk about money stuff. Have a realistic talk about like, and, and I mean, maybe we've done that to our kids because we've given them the big, best, brightest, you know, I usually have a cell phone that's like the old one compared to all of our students. And, mm-hmm. but maybe have a realistic talk with your student about, okay, you've lived in our house and we've done all this, but life's changing and you're not going to come out of your, you know, your four or five year degree program living like it took your parent and I, you know, father, mother, whoever to get to, because we've had a job for all these years yeah. or we've done whatever, you know, have those realistic conversations that you're probably not going to come out making six figures mm-hmm. unless you're going to a school that would warrant, you know, that And if that's true, then you usually end up coming out with... Yes. It's more expensive, right, to go to those Absolutely. And so you're still living poor. But but I think that there's not a realistic thing. And, you know, students live in the instant. I mean, students live in the instant. Microwaves, you know, are the only part. But I mean, I can text you and you can answer me in five seconds. I don't have to call and leave a message anymore. And, you know, Instagram, everything's Insta, Insta. Uh-huh. run to your dorm room to see if anyone's yeah. called you or left an MSN message. Yeah. Well, some of our dorms, you don't even have to go check your laundry because it texts you when your laundry is done now. <gasps> Shut yeah. up. Oh so my you, you put your stuff in and it texts you. Um, now I'm going to tell you, it's kind of miraculous and wonderful because I could look it up when we were at Biola for Zona and uh-huh. I had to do everybody's laundry, you know, for our, our staff and it texts, or it's, I think I looked it up on their app or whatever to see how far it was from being done. That's kind of remarkable. That is amazing. But that's a whole different story than I had to go down three flights of stairs and my washing machine doesn't do that at my right, house. Right. Right. <laughs> and so, I mean, we're just accustomed to that Insta. That's why yeah. Instagram is very, you know, yeah. it's instant. And so having students having that hard conversation about financial stuff. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, some of our parents aren't good at their financial stuff and that's where we're at, mm-hmm. but you know, having help, have somebody help you then, Yeah. you know, talk to somebody. If, if you and your family have not been good at the financial stuff, mm-hmm. then have a conversation with, you know, somebody at your church or your work, somebody that you know that has a handle I think and help their students. Dave Ramsey has a good uh, who He does. Good absolutely. Program. Absolutely. Yeah. He does. And I think they actually just came out with a book about um, going to school debt free. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you are looking at your kids going to college, like yeah. maybe pick that up and it talks about what it, what it looks like to do that. Because I mean, what that means is it means that you're not probably not going to school um, and that's it. You probably have a job, mm-hmm. right? Um, I remember calling and wanting to come home and my parents were like, do you have gas money? Right. And I was like, I don't. They're like, neither do we. 
But see, now it's come home no matter what. But for that, some of them. But right. Well, for yeah. some, and there yeah. it was then too. Yeah. I mean, there were some people who, whenever they wanted to come home, yeah. their parents were providing. Yeah. That. But for me, oh, that yeah. was one of the things yeah. my parents did. And and one time, my grandma was in town, mm-hmm. and I had not budgeted correctly. Mm-hmm. And now. Grandma really wanted to see me, and Grandma came to the rescue, and of course she, she paid did. for my gas. Of course she did, because grandparents had kids, so they could have us. Right. Yeah. Grandparents are a little different. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, but that was a conversation that I, like, my mom told me no. Yeah. And then my grandmother called me and said, I've, I've talked with your mom. Yeah. And I'm going get to- Get home. Get home. Yes. Yeah. And I was able to go, but I remember how sad I was, because yeah. for a couple hours, I didn't think I was going to get to go. Right. You know? Well, and I think with our students, that's the realization that you have to give up now mm-hmm. for something greater in the future. But isn't that all of life? Yeah. Isn't that everything in life that sometimes we sacrifice in the present so that there's greater- Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the Christian life. Well, and it's that delayed gratification- mm-hmm. Like yeah. that is what college is about. Yeah. You're working hard. You're working hard for what is to come. Yeah. Right. And, and that is just a life lesson that we yeah. all have to learn. Well, there's a reason you go to college in your twenties, not your forties or fifties, because Amen. I couldn't pull those hours today. Oh my gosh. Like we do. I mean, I work with college students and I can feel it a little bit more and more where I'm like, I just want to go to bed. <laughs> you know, I'm not an eight thirtier. I mean, I still go to bed pretty late, but there are times where I'm like, I could go on three hours of sleep. No worries. You know, missions. That, and that's the exception. God has gifted me to when we're overseas. I don't feel the tired and the fatigue the same, yeah. but in the day in day out, I'm like, I just want to go home and like watch something on Netflix and not talk right. to anybody for the rest of the day. You know? I met a, a young woman in the Persian Gulf several years ago who was Muslim background believer mm-hmm. and her family were all still Muslim. Like her dad was like ranking. I don't think he was in a mom, but he was, you know, somebody yeah. and multiple wives, all of that. And, wow. and her statement, cause why to ask her, cause her brothers would beat her up and her uncles would beat her up and, you know, wow. convert back to Islam, deny Jesus, you know, or we're going to drag you off. So into her the, family knew. Oh, absolutely. And we're going to drag you off into the, you know, the desert and marry you off to a sheikh as his fourth wife, which means, you know, meant she was going to be a nobody kind of mm-hmm. thing. And, and, um, you know, one of the missionaries was asking her like, you know, why, why do you do this? And it was one of the most profound things, a young woman, I mean, she was like 19 or 20, maybe I'd ever heard someone say, and she said, yeah, this is awful. I mean, you know, she's got a black eye while she's telling us this, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's awful and it's painful and it's hurtful, not just physically, but it's hurtful to my heart mm-hmm. because it's people who are supposed to love me and protect me are the ones inflicting this on me because I've made a choice for Jesus. But she said, I would rather live a moment shining bright for Jesus than an entire life in the darkness. And I Jeez. think from what my friends that were over there said, I think she just ended up disappearing, which meant they probably took her life. And <sighs> we just, we don't know what happened or right. she got married off to somebody or, you know, whatever. But I mean, for someone so young to say, Jesus is worth it. Jesus mm-hmm. is the best thing for me, you know, to say, and that's one of the things with our students through missions, we want them to understand is Jesus is the best thing for you. Your degree, your job, um, even your family is not yeah. the best thing for you. The best thing for you on, on your, in your existence is Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and what he does with that in your life. You know, and he's always the best choice, yeah. whatever that means is scary or not, or pleasant or not. I mean, you know, we're talking about holes in the ground and using the bathroom. That's not very pleasant. No. I was not raised in a culture where my hamstrings right. bend properly. <laughs> and, you know, so that's a little bit harder and that's not pleasant or, you know, being in places that are really stinky and the yeah. food's super weird. You know, I'm not a bug eater that kind of grosses me out, but if Lord, if you get it down, I'll keep it down, you know, right. and, and stuff. But 
you know, having that mindset that Jesus is the best thing, you know, for a parent sending their kid to college, I would tell them, you know, Jesus is the best thing for them, right? Yeah. So pray, pray, pray without ceasing for your student. Don't nag them about stuff. I mean, if there's something that you've agreed on and you need to have that adult discussion about you've broke these boundaries Mm -hmm. or, you know, you, you could have a discussion in a way that is transitioning you from being the parent of a kid to a parent of an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, to, without just saying, well, then I'm not gonna have anything to do with you. You're on your own or yeah. nagging them like they're 15 still. Like we need to, yeah. because we all know 15 year olds need to bathe and, you know, do stuff. But, <laughs> but having that transition into having adult conversations of like, yeah. you know, we're paying for this. So these are our expectations. If you don't live up to them, then here's the consequence. Or, yeah. you know, we have an expectation of this. You can't force someone to go to church. Yeah. They do, and then we don't see them again. You know, mm-hmm. they'll come to challenge once or twice, and then we don't see them again because they've checked off their box. They've told their mom and dad they were here. They saw pictures of challenge. Yeah. It's something that they were at to verify. And they're smart. These guys are smart. They know what to yeah. Instagram. Right. You know, they know what pictures to take in Instagram, and then poof, they're gone. Right. You know, and so for a parent, you can't nag to do that. I mean, you want to. Mm-hmm. You want to make them do it and, like, grab them by the hair and tell them to get their stuff together, but it doesn't amount for anything. They have to decide that Jesus is the best thing for them. And there may be some ups and downs and some really rocky roads for them to land Mm -hmm. at that place where they would choose him over anyone or anything else. Yeah. And you know, and I, and that's for, for us with missions, with discipleship, um, with helping a student journey, you know, there's, that's part of it. That's why we're going to talk about the pitfalls of being a college student in a couple of weeks at mm-hmm. our, at our gathering of what are some things that can derail you as a college student? If you're not paying attention, Yeah, you know, um, you're underage and you get an underage drinking thing. That's going to derail you pretty bad. Yeah. You know, you make some bad choices about purity and sexuality in your life that can derail you and there's consequences and there are always consequences yeah. to sin. And, you know, so we're going to talk about some of those things with our students and, you know, and, and part of that is, can your parents derail you? Like, how do you negotiate through mom, dad, I really think God wants me to do this. And your parents are adamantly opposed to that. Well, what do you do at that point? Because God tells us to honor our parents. That is a command, not a suggestion, but, but where are those lines? How do you negotiate through honoring them, but still following what God has called you to do? Mm. And you can't just say, mom, dad, God said so. And you know, that's it. But there are times where you have to say, mom and dad, this is what the Lord has called me to. And I know you don't agree with that, but I've, I'm supposed to do this and I'm going to do this. Yeah. And then the consequences of that may be you're on your own financially or whatever else. But again, Jesus is the best thing for you. And so what do you do? Yeah. And you know, for parents, do you it's trust hard God enough to make that decision. Yeah. And, it, and it's hard. God gives you this kid that you've raised and you're in a world that's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we've just caught up to the rest of the world, kids in other parts of the world, their families yeah. were raised with the fear of what would happen when they're at school or, you know, America's just finally caught up to what's going on in other countries and has been going on. But, you know, you're entrusted with this sweet little baby. And the last thing you want to do is send them somewhere that you're afraid they can't even go to school and succeed and survive the day, you know, or I mean, any grade schools, even, you know, you don't Mm -hmm. send your kids to school thinking I'm not going to pick them up. Right. And so we live under this cloud of, of, gosh, it's like despair almost, I think Mm -hmm. that we get trapped in. And the issue is, is if, if, if you truly trust Jesus, what do you do with that? Because it doesn't mean you're not scared. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that you're still not like, oh gosh, you know, what happens with my kid today? But But, how much do you let that fear hold you captive? Yeah. yeah. Or do you just trust Jesus that his days are appointed and so are mine? And you know, the worst thing you want to do, I have a friend that just lost a child um, this last Mm -hmm. week to a tragic accident and, um, you know, and they're Mormon. And so they live in a different 
yeah. you know, mindset of stuff and security that's not real. But, um, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, and she has a couple older kids and this four year old and, you know, they just have to Gosh. move forward with life. And, and, and we live in a culture that people don't lose their children. You know, the turn of yeah. the century, people lost their children more for whatever reasons. Mm-hmm. We just live a little different. That's why it's so traumatic to us. Yeah. And so we, we've been raised in that to where we get to college and you want to bubble wrap your kid and make them make the right choices. And, you know, and if you, if you really stood back and thought, what did I do in college if I went? You know, you think about the dumb stuff you did. I'm glad Facebook and Instagram and all that wasn't there when we were in college. Uh, yeah. There is nothing to trail. Well, Facebook started yeah. my junior year yeah. in college, and you could only sign up for it with a .edu yeah. address. Right, right, because it was only... And it was, yeah. so it was like connecting with college mm-hmm. students, that's yeah. it. Yeah, you know, but th- that didn't trail us like it yeah. does today. Um, but, you know, for, for they just live in a world that's under the microscope Yeah, from each other, from everything, you know, politically. And, and, and college is the time you figure out your politics. You figure out your faith. You figure out what kind of parent you want to be. You figure out like what your parents did that you really think were great and the things maybe they didn't do great and you want to do different and, you know, not to be overcritical, but there's things it, you know, you figure it out. And, you know, for students, that's what they're trying to negotiate through. And, you know, the Mm -hmm. most important part is their faith. Where do you land? land? Is this God who your parents taught you about your whole life, drug you or took you to Sunday school, whatever, you know, you did. I mean, are you going to be a child of that God? Are you going to be a grandkid of that God? Hmm. Is your faith through your parents? Or do you truly have a faith in Jesus Christ because he's yours and you have that? I mean, you don't know everything. I don't know everything, you know, it's a life. I mean, that's life is trying to figure stuff out and not screw it up and, you know, honor the Lord with it. But, but where are you? Are you a, are you a child or a grandchild? When I was in my junior year of school, I came to this point where I, of course, you know, I'd grown up in Mm -hmm. church, but I came to this point where I had kind of, so I came to this point where I wasn't really like trying to learn more Mm -hmm. about my faith. I believed that it was my faith. I wasn't right. like, oh, that's my parents' religion. Mm-hmm. I, I really, truly believed that I was a Christian, but I wasn't looking to deepen that relationship. I was even coming here mm-hmm. uh, to what was called the BSU at that yes. point in time. <laughs> yes. That was many decades ago. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I would come here every week, but I still wasn't doing anything in between. It's right. just like church. You go to church every Sunday. Yeah. If you don't do anything during the week, believe me, you're not growing. Yeah. You're just staying you might not, and, and at that point in time, I wasn't even staying. I was just kind of existing. And what God showed me at this point, I kind of came to this point where I felt empty mm-hmm. and nothing I was doing had any meaning. And God showed me this picture that I was living off the leftovers. Mm-hmm. He's like, you had this platter of knowledge mm-hmm. and um, biblical truth, right? That you learned in Sunday school and you learned yeah, in youth group. Right. And, um, maybe, you know, maybe you're adding just a little bit of scraps mm-hmm. to it each week. But until you're actually physically trying to fill that plate, you're just living off the leftovers. Mm-hmm. And now all you have left is crumbs. Right. So And you're starving to death. You're starving to death. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it was. And at that point in time, that's when I had to make my decision. Mm-hmm. Like, no one is going to do this faith thing for me. Right. So what am I going to do? Yeah. And that was a huge shift for me. Yeah. Um, to figure out what was next. And I think that's the crux of collegiate ministry. Mm is helping a student 
exactly what you described is figuring that stuff out. You know, for, for Christian challenge, our mission is we engage college students with the gospel or we exist to engage college students with the gospel, develop disciples of Jesus Christ and mobilize servant leaders for the church. Mm -hmm. That third one is so important to me because I, you know, historically college ministry is fantastic for students. They get fired up about Jesus. They learn exponentially. Like, you know, you do your, you kind of accordion when you learn. So as a little kid, you learn a lot and you kind of get to junior high, high school, you kind of sit there and then you accordion a lot more and then you get to college and things just explode because you're an adult and you're like figuring stuff out and learning all this stuff. But then what do you do? Because no church is like, well, there are more churches today that are like college ministry, but you know, historically you get out and it's like normal church, whatever that normal is. And so, you know, one of the, one of the, the valleys or the disconnects from collegiate ministry is church life afterwards Mm -hmm. because students are like, well, you know, I had this great Bible study. I had this discipleship relationship with the leaders that were there. Um, you know, I had community in a way that I'd never experienced before where we screwed stuff up together and broke it up and fixed it and sinned and, you know, got rebuked and all those things happened in life. But it was just like a, I mean, it was like this intense hotbed of, of, faith growth. Mm-hmm. Then you graduate and you go to church and what do you find? And that, like I said, I think we're seeing more and more kinds of churches today than we have before. Yeah. But for our students, it's like part the third part of our mission is that we mobilize you to serve the church. Yeah. You know, we are, we are part of it. And with Christian challenges change and being tied to local churches now, that's a huge part. Like we don't exist apart from the local church. We were parachurch before. Now every chapter is tied to a local church, which is so fantastic. And, Mm -hmm. and that's the only way we're going to reach the 600 or whatever thousand college students that we have. But that, that is a a shift in missionality that we have seen, you know, this decade for us, because if, if you have a great time in college and then you go off and you do nothing with the rest of your life, but show up to church and be a, a, chair sitter. I would say pew sitter, but you know, most people don't know pews are anymore. What's a pew? Those were fantastic to take naps oh, on as a kid. those Joanna Gaines put yes. in that dining room right. she did last right. week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those of you that don't know those, those were fantastic to sleep on when you were they a kid were. at church. Um, My brother actually got left on the back pew and we got- Was it at Williams? Home. Yeah, it was at Williams. And uh, we got home oh, and my parents looked at each other. They're like, where's Caleb? Yeah. He was asleep on the black yeah. pew. Dad had to drive back to church. Yeah. It's a small town. Yes, so it it's like very. three minutes. Yeah. And everybody would have found him and brought him home if they had well, seen no, him. No, but dad, lo- dad was the pastor, so he, he locked up the church. <laughs> so it was dark and Caleb had no idea yeah. because he was just slept through the whole That's thing. That's funny. But yeah, good but, place to sleep. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you know, you just go and you put your butt in the seat. And that's what you do and you leave. Yeah. You know, you don't have any other experience. And and being a disciple of Jesus is a lifelong thing. We never arrive. And I think that's something, mm. the realization that many of us, especially in ministry, have to come to. Like, I don't know it all. You know, there are days I want to think I do, but certainly don't. But discipleship is a lifelong pursuit. It ends when your heart stops beating. And when you look at some of those pillars of the faith, like Billy Graham and mm-hmm. Beth Moore, and mm-hmm. you're looking at them and you're saying... Oh my gosh, you know everything. They're coming back with mm-hmm. I don't know anything. Uh-huh. I don't know which jet. is why yeah. they are constantly you, when you see they're like, you know, I was reading this morning, like, you still do Bible study? You don't know the whole Bible yeah. yet, yeah. you know. And we can memorize. I can yeah. tell you the stories right and left. Right. I can memorize it, but the application 
through the different ages of yes. my life, the different stages of my life. What I needed when I was 20 is not what I need when I'm, I'm almost 50, by the way, Courtney, <clears throat> let that sit on you for a minute. <laughs> yeah. I was doing something the other day and I was asked about what I was going to be done with college and I'm like, like three decades ago, but okay, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, really? It's my, one of my dad's friends who's, you know, super old and sweet oh little gosh. old guy. But he's like, are you going to ever finish college, Lainey? And I'm like, I've yeah. been done several times, you know, yeah. but but that lifelong pursuit of being a disciple. And, you know, for a parent, like I would tell a parent, ask yourself that. Like you're sending your kid off to come and you walk up to my booth and you make them sign up at my booth for challenge or whatever other. We have several good evangelical groups here at NAU. Uh-huh. We don't have competition. We're friends. We pray together once a month. We eat each other's houses. It's a really Love neat it. a neat environment to be in. That is, I don't take for granted because it doesn't exist everywhere. Because you are the body of Christ. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and we don't all see things exactly, but we're evangelicals and those top tier things are identical. Mm-hmm. And then there's differences below that that are the mm-hmm. not, you know, the non-negotiables are solid. And so, um, you know, we, we live in that relationship with each other. And so a parent that's like, sign this, you know, you get my kid and get my kid involved in church. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. I'm like, I can't make your kid do anything. No, like they're an adults, you know? And, and if they're not an adult, I have to get you to sign it because we do have minors that come to college and right. you know, the time we went to Mexico and forgot to have a permission slip. <gasps> that would be another podcast day of oh how not gosh. to do ministry. <laughs> Thank God. It was, it was Amber Sumner. Well, no, what was her maiden name? Martin. Oh my I think I'm pretty sure we didn't have a permission slip for her in the day. And thank God her parents were our friends and like knew they were with me. And I'm pretty sure we oh, crossed good. the border, but that was pre passport days. And, yeah. you know, but I'm like, I le- definitely think I left the country <laughs> with a kid that didn't have a permission slip. Right. So that's, you know, that's a, how not to do ministry podcast. <laughs> um, but you know, they're asking us to do all this stuff. My question would be is how are you being a continuing disciple of Jesus? Mm. Like if you're so eager for your student, ask yourself that hard, like, who am I involved in? Who's my tribe? Who's my community? How am I being a continuing disciple yeah. of Jesus so that I'm stretched? How am I being a servant leader in the church that God has called me to, you know, and being brave to not just be a sitter, yeah, to do the hard dirty stuff, know their spiritual giftedness and use that. Well, thank you for sharing all this with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming up and seeing us. Hey, yeah. any excuse to escape to the mountains. Yeah. I'm okay with. Thank you for tuning in this week. I hope you're walking away with something to consider. If you like what you hear each month and you'd like to support the Journey of Ruth podcast, head over to patreon.com slash journeyofruth. For just $5 a month, you can help support the website, reduce hosting fees, and allow me the ability to be kind to our podcast guests. I'd love to interact with you during the week over on Facebook or Instagram at Journey of Ruth. You can also find me on our website, journeyofruthpodcast.com. There you can hear all of our past episodes. And if you're looking for a speaker for your future group events, whether they're live or virtual, I would love to get your group on the calendar. Just fill out the form under the speaking tab. I hope you guys have a great week. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I will see you on Tuesday in two weeks here on the Journey of Ruth podcast.